0: Hello, my name is Emma, and I am the shoe that just ran out of men.
1: And I'm Shannon, and I'm flummoxed how Carrie can smoke and ice skate at the same time, but can't understand bisexuality.
0: <laughs> oh, I love that. And welcome back to We're Sorry We Can't, Don't Hate Us. I'm sorry I can't, don't hate me.
1: The motherfucker's concise. I revealed too much too soon. I was emotionally slutty. Okay, I'm a big whore.
0: I think we have a stiff breeze. I'll give you $100 if you say something bitchy about someone we know. Let's You So... Shannon, we're going to get into talking about some sexual identity today and in particular bisexuality and how that's represented in the series. But first of all, I want to know, what is your oddest red flag or your oddest green flag?
1: (laughs) Um, I have heard twice now from two different people on the first date Let me show you my bomb collection. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) And one of them was responsible for driving me home. And he was like, let me just dab real quick before we get going. (laughs) Oh my God. When you
0: texted me that he dabbed before you started driving, I thought you meant that he did like the dab dance no and i was like absolutely that's 100 percent a red flag
1: no that's a green flag for me <laughs> wrong dab
0: oh my gosh is that your green flag then
1: so many of the dabs on it.
0: <laughs> someone that does the dab
1: dance or dances I mean, in general perhaps like yeah, like it would have to be context specific. Like somebody who doesn't take themselves too seriously to dab, I think it's <laughs> a green flag. Um, but like a true green flag for me is someone that has some kind of lexicon related to drag race.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. When I was thinking about this question, I was thinking that same thing, or even really? any sort of, yeah, it like, If they quote Drag Race or they watch Drag Race or even just any sort of insight or interest into queer culture in general, I actually sort of love that. So it's funny that you use that, although I haven't really been watching the new Drag Race.
1: Well, there's there's a hundred of them right now. So there's there's just too many.
0: (laughs) I feel like I got like a little bit. um, Oh, my God. What's the word? Not deadbeat
1: why can't I, sorry, burnt out,
0: burnt out. Why can I not think of that word? I got a little bit burnt out by it, but in general, that is a great green flag.
1: Yeah. It's a real green flag too. Like, um, like my first date with Riley, I started talking about drag race and he was immediately like up to date on the season. And I was like, okay, (laughs) this is good.
0: Yeah. They're not just like, I know who RuPaul is. They're like, I want this queen to win.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I totally get that.
1: Emma, what is your red flag? What is your green flag?
0: Oh my gosh. I could, I honestly couldn't think of like a really specific example. Um. I think one of my general red flags is I don't like when people work out too much. Like I don't like, I appreciate somebody who takes care of their body and like eats well and whatever, but someone that like goes to the gym every day and talks about it all the time. I just like, can't stand. I don't know why that's my red flag. I feel like they're too narcissistic or something. I don't know. But anyways, my green flag, I thought this was kind of funny. <laughs> my friends, when I was like in the dating scene and the sleeping around scene, my friends used to always make fun of me. And well, one friend in particular would always say like, your type is friends of friends. Oh, like what? Is he your type? Is he a friend of a friend? <laughs> and that For a very long time. But like, it makes sense. Let me tell you, that makes sense. It's like they're already vetted. You Mm -hmm. already know that they're probably a decent human being. Mm -hmm. They're probably about the same attractiveness level as you. (laughs) It just, it makes sense. I think there's Mm -hmm. a sort of like comfort with that. So so yeah, friend of friend, that's my green flag.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know that makes a lot of sense.
0: But yeah, why are we talking about red flags and green flags? So we kind of were trying to think of a question for this episode. And of course, today we're talking about biphobia. And we can't talk about biphobia without talking about the famous episode Boy Girl, Boy Girl, which actually was really interestingly renamed We noticed this when we were watching it. It has been renamed in Crave, and I'm assuming other subscription services, to the opposite sex, which I find fascinating. And the proof is in like Shannon has the Fuzzy Pink DVD collection, so we we even went to it and looked at it. And it used to be called Boy Girl, Boy Girl.
1: I wonder why the change? Yeah, especially because it doesn't really sound like that different of a change. It's not like the opposite sex is the same thing as boy, girl, boy, girl. I'm not really too sure um, what provoked that.
0: (laughs) It almost sounds like worse. Like it almost sounds like it's more polarizing. You know what I mean? Like it's like the opposite sex. And then also in an episode where we're talking about someone who is also attracted to people of the same gender, it's just, it's a weird name change that we noticed and yeah. So I, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> sorry. I, I really like how you framed the fuzzy pink DVD collection, almost like the Holy Grail, the like Bible, as you will, my Bible.
0: <laughs> I pretty much do see it as our Bible. I think that next time we sit down and watch, we actually need to watch the DVDs, even though it's the same episodes. I think we need to sit down and watch and put them in the DVD player. But the problem was I couldn't play DVDs. I have no way to play a DVD. (laughs) It's
1: the 21st century for you. (laughs) It's true.
0: Um, but yeah, so of course we're going to discuss that episode and which was sort of famously known as being biphobic. It is blatantly biphobic. Um, I mean, it opens. So basically this episode opens with the friends. They're at a drag king art show, which we'll get into. (laughs) Charlotte later poses as a drag king for the artist. Miranda is sort of challenged by not feeling like the woman in her relationship with Steve. but the main part of the episode is Carrie dating this smiley, young, hot bisexual guy. And she's like offended by how open he is about it. She says something to the girls at breakfast. She says, and he just told me he was just, <laughs> he just like told me. And I remember her saying too, like, it was their third date. I'm like, it's not that unusual for somebody to share something like that on your third date. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and he didn't frame it in a way of just like like it wasn't. Um, it was just he was just sharing his dating history. Like that was just that's a normal conversation to to have with somebody that you're newly dating. It's just so interesting. Yeah, how she frames that with her friends being like offensive.
0: Yeah, she was. She she feels a lot of wacky emotions in this episode, and I kind of love it. Like, Carrie's sort of all over the place here. Uh, that, was, that
1: was her red flag.
0: Yeah, that was um, her red flag. That was her being like, you know, I'm out of here because I am an old fogey and I can't handle this. <laughs> <laughs> but really, we kind of talked about it. I think Carrie's got all the red flags. We're We're pretty amazed that she even, or sorry, that he even stayed with her and was so enamored by her through all of that cuz she kept asking him questions she kept prodding him like do you think that guy is hot do you think like this person is hot oh do i kiss better than a guy like all of these weird questions that i feel like most people on a first or second date would be like that's a little invasive
1: Yeah, and, like, she was asking that, like, in a post-coital situation (laughs) as well. Like, (laughs) could this, (laughs) can we think of another time to to make you, like, bring this up?
0: (laughs) She just can't get it out of her head. She just, she does not get it. She's bothered. She's bothered and maybe not hot. (laughs) Too distracted to be hot and bothered. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, of course, we're going to talk about this episode. We're also going to talk about an episode. Um, what sex got to do with it, which is from season four, episode four. I think I forgot to mention that boy, girl, boy, girl is from season three, episode four. Um, but in what sex got to do with it. This is where Samantha tells her friends about her relationship with Maria, a relationship that she is excited about one that she really wants to talk to them about after (laughs) spending years and years listening to them talk about their relationships. Um, And she sort of met with just scoffs and jokes. And, you know... (sighs) Some other things in that episode that happened. Carrie continues to date Ray, who's the jazz man with the incredible apartment that's definitely decorated by an ex. What else happens in this episode? Charlotte feels like she's in a relationship with Trey's penis. They somehow overcome, in their separation, they overcome their sexual issues. And Kyle (laughs) McLaughlin... I'm so obsessed with Kyle McLaughlin, I didn't even call him his character name. I just... (laughs) said. I'm so sorry. So Trey um, is suddenly enamored by his own penis and he is obsessed with having sex with Charlotte, which is kind of a big shift. Um, And also in this episode, Miranda eats cake out of the trash and considers herself a trash human.
1: I want to acknowledge two iconic moments from this episode. The first is Charlotte's like angry overture in this in the shower as charlotte lathered up she really started to get lathered up who did he think he was he was her husband and she was his wife what the hell was going on in this upper east side nightmare i it's think about so that good. a lot when i'm in the shower and <laughs> it <doesn't> really matters. <laughs> It's just, it's, it's so, it's so funny. It's so well done. Um, it was just perfect. And then Miranda eating cake out of the garbage, another like beautifully iconic moment. And I'm not too proud to admit that I have eaten cake out of the garbage. Actually, there were two macarons and they were just like literally on top of the garbage. No, like it was touching like a napkin nobody had used. There was context there, but
0: there's literally no shame in that just like there's there was no shame in that moment with Miranda for me because she literally like placed the cake on top of the rest of the trash that was clearly like paper or something it's not like you know it was under a bunch of food shit and everything it was it was very clearly not contaminated
1: yes like there there that was a set up trash can <laughs> that was a set up garbage
0: but yeah so these are kind of the two main episodes that are blatantly biphobic um but we'll kind of get into talking about the series as a whole um the reason we i chose this topic this is this is my episode today, (laughs) is that I'm sort of interested in exploring sexual identities as a subject um, because I have a very personal journey with that. Um, The subtle and not-so-subtle biphobic moments in the series sort of add up to a very limited and polarized representation. You're either straight or gay. Mm -hmm. And they even, (laughs) like I said, these are subtle and not-so-subtle. They say things like, Charlotte gets kind of frustrated at one point point. says, like, pick one. You can't have both. They use words throughout the series that I actually meticulously noted down as I was watching. They use words like a problem, sexual flipping, greedy, lesbian du jour, or even describing bi or pansexuality as the absence or lack of sexual orientation, which I also like find quite damaging or hurtful Mm -hmm. and so it kind of you know when you're watching this stuff when you're growing up it kind of makes it hard to accept that as something that you might be if you are questioning i mean this episode she questions does bisexuality even exist Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um so it's kind of hard to like see that as a valid identity when you're growing up questioning something like that and I do, we do love Samantha, Samantha they do have moments with Samantha, she dates Maria, she's really happy with Maria for a brief period, um, and Samantha's attitudes towards uh, sexual identity is that she says, I'm a trisexual, I'll try anything once, mm-hmm. and this quote is iconic, but, and and important, but I think that they sort of refuse to accept or acknowledge any of the main characters as anything other than straight. And I think that it's sort of like discouraging to watch.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I think Carrie says actually one of the movies, like she's all about labels and love and (laughs) that that is true of her closet and her shoes. And that's true of um, the way that, Uh, sexual identities are portrayed throughout the show and like I think there's just so like throughout the whole show there's a lot of reinforcing of um, sexual binaries and gender binaries Um, and a lot of that is just steeped in heteronormativity like as well Um, there's just kind of that underlying assumption that all of them are, are straight and even yeah like Samantha's relationship is kind of written off like that's, that's a phase that's just something she's doing to to get a rise out of like the rest of the girls. And yeah like I, I really hear what you're saying about um, about that being so damaging to watch and like just watching so like me as a little teeny like zago like watching this show um, it's like it really reinforces that that gender and sexual binary in a way that like at a really, important time (laughs) when it's important to, to expand your worldview and like be curious and, you know, embrace like all of those parts of your identity. So now I just like I watch it and I like how I wonder how that contributed to um, my own perception of like binaries like in myself and um, yeah, like how, how I talked about them you know, with friends and it is so harmful and it's harmful to like to limit yourself and limit like your curiosity and, um, and your experiences. And yeah, like the way that they portray it to you is it's, it's meant to be a joke. And, you know, again, like, just watching this and, like, lacking that kind of critical thinking of, like, what I was watching. Like, I would just, I would want to be funny with my friends, so I would say, I would parrot, like, some of the jokes that they would say in the show. And now I think back, I'm like, that's, that's a, that's a cringy Carrie moment right there. (laughs) It's awful. Um, But, yeah, it's just, it's so harmful because, like, yeah, it just really reinforces that as, as being, as being the norm. There's a lot... A lot of harm, I think, happening in both of these episodes.
0: Yeah, there, there's definitely harm. I think, I mean, I do appreciate seeing the characters in non-heritonormative relationships. Like, I do, I did appreciate, um, I think that Samantha was quite genuine in her relationship with Maria. Mm-hmm. And that was very nice to see. Um, <laughs> and I kind of loved how well okay i both loved and i kind of hated also (laughs) how they portrayed their relationship and in the end it was very Mm -hmm. brief it was a three episode span maybe even two and a half um but it sort of shifted from this like highly sexual relationship and samantha was feeling this strong connection uh to maria but in the end she was kind of frustrated with like because maria was a woman she was so emotional and there mm-hmm. were and like their entire relationship had sort of been replaced by like talking about feelings and being emotional and stuff like that which i think was very like like <laughs> like gender discriminatory in a way just cuz it's like just sort of the portrayal of the the queer women in a relationship as being emotional and that's like that's what it's like to be you know in a relationship like that
1: i agree with um it kind of seemed like samantha samantha genuinely seemed to be invested in making some kind of a relationship with maria work so i appreciated that there was at least like that kind of challenging to to some of the stereotypes of of bisexuality or pansexuality like We'll, we'll talk about, I'm sure, in a moment. Um, so I appreciate like that challenge. But yeah, like you said, when you actually look at the relationship itself, it's it's also just kind of very reductive and not... Yeah, it's very like one-dimensional. I think that's a better word. It's one-dimensional.
0: Yeah. one-dimensional. That's a really good word for it. Um, yeah, and I did also want to bring up for this episode just the discourse on pansexual versus bisexual. Again, a binary that doesn't really need to exist. Um, I actually did Google today because I I know the difference, but I wanted to like read it in writing. So I googled today difference between pansexual and bisexual. Um, and in the appropriately sourced Cosmopolitan article, which was actually from this year, the difference between being pansexual and bisexual explained. The subtitle says that they're pretty much interchangeable, which I find that I agree with. Um, To quote the article, pansexuality holds space for the idea that gender is fluid, whereas bisexuality is defined as attraction to people who are of the same gender and people who are of a gender other than your own. So, of course, that can mean any two or more genders. I still don't love the term bisexual just because of the implication of bi meaning to. um, But I think that it is fairly widely accepted that it means that you are attracted to all genders, but I live in a bubble, so I could be completely wrong about that. Um, But I guess what I wanted to emphasize is that there just really is no right way to identify um, simply a matter of preference and what people are comfortable with. Um, it's (laughs) sometimes it's kind of hard for me to talk about a little bit just because, um, I've struggled with this myself, like with, you know, calling myself bisexual or pansexual. I tend to just say queer if people ask. Um, and I think that a big part of that is due to fact or due to things like sex in the city is that for a very long time, I was unable to sort of acknowledge my own queerness as being something that's real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of highly rep- misrepresented in the show. And so I had a hard time accepting that in myself. Um, and it's just, it makes me think of when I first started dating my current partner, who is a woman, People were constantly asking me if I was and not in a malicious way, but, you know, in a curious way. But they'd ask if I so like, oh, are you lesbian? Are you bisexual? Are you pansexual? And I just couldn't help but wonder, like, why did nobody ask me this when they assumed I was straight? It's just like, why is that question even necessary? And I don't. And like it's like I said, it's not a bad thing. People are just curious and it makes sense. But. I found it a little bit hurtful and a little bit invalidating to my own experience, (laughs) real feelings time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. It sounds very much like Carrie and the girls leaving dinner and talking about Samantha and her partner. There's, yeah, there's just that like underlying assumption that, um, straight as normal and so like that Yeah, just goes like unseen and undetected and i'm sorry that that was your experience
0: oh it's okay i mean my friends are amazing i i actually was a little weird (laughs) when i first started dating jamie and i remember i went out to a friend's birthday dinner um with some it was a very couple birthday dinner it was like five couples um And it was pretty standard that I didn't for a long time have a date when I went to dinners like this, which was totally cool. But I brought Jamie as my girlfriend, as my partner. And I hadn't even told one of my closest friends that we were dating. I hadn't told her anything about it. And I felt so bad because afterwards she was like, why didn't you tell me? Like, she's like, I'm just kind of hurt that like you know, that you didn't tell me that you were dating and like, I'm really happy for you and I'm excited for you and I'm just kind of hurt. But I think there was a big part of me that was like, I just like don't want to make a big deal out of it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I it was just like something that was hard to name and hard to say that I decided <laughs> in classic fashion, This this is something I do a lot. I just like go into it and just like, don't even think about it. <laughs> Listened like, so when we watched What Sex Got to Do with It, so the one with Samantha, um, I listened really closely to the entirety of the episode to even just like hear one mention or one question of Samantha being bisexual or pansexual, but literally was not even mentioned once. It's mm-hmm. like To me, this kind of made it sound like the writers chose to address the topic in Boy Girl, Boy Girl. You know, that was the bisexual episode. That was like the episode where they talk about it. The end, Mm -hmm. which for me or for the audience, it's sort of just like wipes it off the table. Like it's not even like part of the series or the canon anymore. Um, To me, it makes complete sense that Sam would be pan or bisexual, and yet she and her friends struggle to acknowledge that or name it. Not that you have to. (laughs) Um, But Carrie, Charlotte and Miranda go running down the block talking about Sam in pure chaotic confusion, which really devalues her experience, like right down to comparing it to waking up as an inanimate object. How does that work? Uh, You go to bed one night, you wake up the next morning, and poof, you're a lesbian? Oh, I forgot to tell you, I'm a fire hydrant.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm a shoe. I always wanted to be one, and poof, (laughs) now I am. Yeah, I like that um, that we're talking about this episode, too, because like we kind of uh, addressed, there's just so much discourse about the the infamous biphobia episode um, because it's so blatant and it's really just, if anyone is going to go through the Sex and the City canon and pick out like what is problematic and hasn't held up this, like that biphobia episode, boy girl boy girl is typically like the first one that people pull out, talk about Like there's, there's a lot to say. um, But I think this one is just as important to talk about, if not more, because like, it's so, it's so subtle. And like you said, they just kind of really erase, um, any discussion of Samantha being bisexual at all. Like that, (laughs) like they talk about biphobia or, well, they talk about bisexuality as a topic of one episode, but it's almost kind of like in, um, in a really object, like almost a really objective kind of way. Whereas this is a more, um, personal experience with one of the characters and it, it's not even present or part of the conversation. Like Carrie is a, I don't know, she's a wild, like, uh, I don't know, investigator and she is like peering with her like little magnifying glass, like what is bisexuality? But when it actually comes to a friend who is experiencing, um, you know, feelings in a relationship with somebody of another gender, um, there's, that's, that's not, even on the table. And I think those like that particular interaction, like it just feeds so many bisexual stereotypes. Like bisexuals are promiscuous and they're greedy and it's it's just a phase. Um, you know, it's just a it's a layover, like <laughs> on the way to, to gay town or like for for women, um, yeah, it's it's just something yeah, it's, it's a phase. It's not something that's, um, that's going to stick. You're going to go back to men eventually. It's just something where you're experimenting. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think like this is, yeah, this is important to, to talk about.
0: Yeah. And they even say in that episode, or no, they say in the, the bi, or <laughs> I just called it the biphobia episode. They say in boy, girl, boy, girl that, and Samantha says this, she's like, all the bisexual men i knew in college ended up with men like mm-hmm. oh they ended up gay <laughs> like that yeah. was the final end to that story and then they also say oh and so did the women mm-hmm. so it, it it again it sort of it just feeds into that stereotype that you're yeah you're greedy you can't decide or you know you just <laughs> you just can't pick one
1: Yeah, you're like hypersexual, like if you're bisexual, you like, you can't get enough sex or something like that. Um, Yeah, like there's so many, there's so many stereotypes that both of these episodes really feed in in a negative way.
0: Yeah, it seems like you can really only be straight or gay in the made up world of sex in the city, (laughs) in the made up New York that they live in. Um, and even like not only that, like if you don't fit within that stereotype of your sexual identity, like sometimes you see examples in the series. And I, I forgot to recap this episode, but sometimes you like can't even exist among other people who are of other sexual identities. So in The Cheating Curve, which I believe is season two, should have yes. written that down. Yeah. I knew you would know (laughs) we take the, the power lesbians, which my girlfriend so lovingly named the parliament of lesbians, (laughs) which I absolutely love. (laughs) Um, But Charlotte becomes friends with them and they develop these really strong connections and friendships. And in the end, only to like completely dismiss her because they find out she's straight. And Mm -hmm. You know, it's like they can't even exist in the same world, which I found kind of interesting. Um, And they really only the classic cosmopolitan straight girls, male, gay best friends are allowed. But beyond that, the massive queer universe that exists in New York and everywhere is just not really truly represented. Um, We see this too, like the world with Charlotte when she, you know, at the beginning of that episode of Boy, Girl, Boy, Girl, they go to this Drag King show. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of, um, it's really weirdly portrayed. Like, it's like, first of all, it's like the most shocking. Like, shocking is word of the day. It's like, oh my God, we're New Yorkers. We are not shocked by anything, but this was truly (laughs) shocking. And they go to this high society art show um that's drag kings Mm -hmm. and it's this it's run by this seemingly straight i mean to be fair he may be bi but seemingly straight wealthy white man showing his art like why are we introduced to the audience or why is that introduced to the audience the world of drag kings, like why is it introduced like that because it's not really an accurate representation of it
1: yeah i think this episode kind of like really muddles um sexual identities and gender identities in kind of a confusing way um so yeah with like the drag show and with this uh (laughs) this artiste (laughs) um and charlotte um they're kind of like playing with the, with ideas of like gender identity, right? And I have like such an issue with how this guy is portrayed. Um, like, I, I think there's just like such an issue with this white, seemingly straight, yeah, we, I don't know if he's bi, that's erased as it is throughout the series. Um, <laughs> Like, cis man taking an art form like drag and, yeah, just exalting it to like a really inaccessible, elitist, high art world when that is something that comes from black, black, Latinx, and like trans folks. Like, that is something that, um, that is not of that world, and it's like really weird to to take it and remove it from its original context. And like, of course, of course, a white man would do. That. Of course. <laughs> course, but I think that's also just like how they portray gender identity here, and how Charlotte's like kind of curious, and it's for art. Like, it's something. There's a man there, so like I can, you know, put this. Um, performance on and try it out and like, you know, step outside of myself. And it's kind of, it's framed as, a, as an experimental thing, but not something that's long-term. And then you contrast that with a moment at the end of season three, where Samantha has some really horrible interactions with black trans sex workers in her new neighborhood, the meatpacking district. Which I'm sure it was extremely intentional. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and that just, like, really negatively reinforces, again, that gender binary, because, like, if those are, you know, identities that are not something that you're putting on to try to, you know, like, in the context of art, if that's just who you are, and that's how you're trying to make a living and survive in the world, like, it's portrayed so negatively. Um, yeah (laughs) not 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 great moments not not moments that hold up yeah it's it's
0: just so true that they really live in this fantasy manhattan world (laughs) that's not a true representation of the world in general but hey i live in my own little bubble so (laughs) Maybe this is, it's not a representation of New York. Maybe it's a representation of these women very specifically.
1: (laughs) I mean, yes and no. Like Samantha's still interacting with like sex workers, like outside of her window. Like those worlds still intersect. And then if, like, if we really wanted to get into the meatpacking district, like that's a really, or the Chelsea neighborhood, I should say, like that's a really classic gay neighborhood like that's where gay folks have like you know gathered and you know built like a neighborhood um and a community so like they do intersect with those worlds but it's just very deliberately uh written out so i don't i don't think it's a made-up world i do think they live in a bubble but like to the detriment of like not seeing when those bubbles like overlap in a Venn diagram sort of way with, with other bubbles and with other communities.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's, I mean, it's just classic gentrification. They're just pushing them out and even, yeah. And making it, and also making it seem like they are the bad people where Samantha really is the one who moved in on their turf and You know why can she just have a barbecue and everything's okay
1: (laughs) yeah no kidding we're we're gonna like everything is okay like I threw water on you I called the cops on you (laughs) like Mm -hmm. that was mm. but it's all solved with with a barbecue it's all good and then uh Carrie is complimented in her very, very short
0: shorts. And it's all good. Yeah. Everything's fine.
1: And we never, and then we never see them again. It's like,
0: all right, we dealt with that problem. Now let's move on and never talk about it again. Much like (laughs) in boy, girl, boy, girl, just like, okay, Mm -hmm. we talked about bisexuality. Now we never have to deal with it. I also, I mean, this isn't really a new observation, and people talk about this all the time, but for a sex columnist, I mean, Carrie is like remarkably prudish in this episode in Boy, Girl, Boy, Girl. I, I find this scene so weird when she like leaves the party. Mm-hmm. She They play spin the bottle. She kisses Alana Mor- Alanis Morissette, and they have like, she's so uncomfortable and awkward. It's like one of the worst things you've seen. And then she walks out the door like, Uh, what I can only describe is like feelings of pride and disgust. Like, she's Mm. like, "Mm," like, it's like you, it's like you visited your in-laws house and they like made you a really gross meal, but you like ate it because you just wanted to prove to them that you liked it or like prove to them that you were like a good partner or whatever. And, but you're just like absolutely disgusted and proud. And she leaves and then she's just, just, like, never talks to him ever again. It's just, it's so weird. It's such a weird scene. It's such a weird episode.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, it's so, it's so frustrating how that episode ends because she just kind of ends it, like, on a generational divide. She's just like, well, I'm an old fart. Like, I, no changing my mind. Like, she doesn't take this as an opportunity to, like, expand her worldview or I don't know like even just reframing it like oh cool like this is something that like I've never thought about before like you know growing up like this is something I can embrace like a new experience like there's none of that and she just kind of like it's it's so defeatist like I'm too old to understand this and also I really question what generational divide there is between her and Sean like I don't she says that he's a whole generation different than her but like is he i think they're just they're of the same generation and she's just like using age as an excuse to to not change and to not change her worldview which is like so frustrating um uh, with boomer (laughs) discourse at the moment but yeah it was just and especially for a sex columnist like Someone who literally builds her career and her living off of, you know, sexual experiences and, yeah, to just kind of, like, throw in the towel and and walk away. (laughs) Also, she ghosts. She ghosts him at a party. Like, (laughs) (laughs) doesn't even give him the courtesy Like,
0: Nope. She's like, bisexuality was my red flag. Now I've kissed a girl. I'm done. Goodbye. (laughs)
1: Oh my God. And that kiss, like the coldest fish, like you couldn't, like, you couldn't even fake it. Like I've had some horrible meals at like other (laughs) houses, but like, you're not going to know that. Like I'll still eat it and like, I don't know. Like it was just so, it came off as so rude, like so unwilling to, like they invited you into their space they invited you to that party. Like you were a guest there and she was just so rude and so closed off the whole time.
0: And they were so nice to her. Everybody was so nice. I think the moral of the story is that bisexuals are very nice people. (laughs) Uh, Just kidding. But yeah, Carrie was so weird. She acted like she walked into a scene where people were like making her... I don't even know. Like they were just making her do something really uncomfortable or like, I can't think of a good example, but it's, it's a very odd episode, but I am. So I love that you brought up that this big, yeah. This generational gap that she keeps talking about because he's 25 and she's 30 or in her early thirties, but it makes me wonder like if I dated someone who was 25, see, I don't see, to me, that doesn't seem that bad.
1: Like I wouldn't hinge everything on a generational divide. That seems so <laughs> dramatic. You know, like there, there is a difference in dating someone who's not mature, like who's, you know, younger and has less lived experience is not as mature. Like that's a real thing, but that wasn't the issue here. Like she wasn't mature. He was fine. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he was fine the whole time. All the red flags, in my opinion, were coming from her. But he just, he looked, maybe they were his green flags.
1: (laughs) For some weird reason. (laughs) I just feel like that would be so uncomfortable to have every single conversation brought back to your sexuality. And like your sexual experiences. And so that's the big red flags. Red flag energy.
0: Red flag energy. I love it.
1: So the, like, the concept of, like, bisexuality just, like, doesn't, well, not concept, like, just the identity of bisexuality, like, it doesn't exist past this episode. Like, it just ceases to exist. But I think it's just, again, like, Carrie doesn't allow it to thrive like she doesn't again she's just very like she's inspecting it um from a very i don't know like almost like scientifically point of view like what is this um but not really ready to embrace it and um yeah just like so much of her monologuing is rooted in like either or thinking Like is Sean attracted to her or is Sean attracted to the guy in the club or to his ex or to his other ex? Like, um, there's just no, there's no room for both. (laughs) Um, there's no room for like, it can all be true at the same time. And yeah, that's just, I think the show also really contributes to the, um, the stereotype of just, like, embracing male bisexuality. Like, Samantha at least gets another, like, revival story arc, but we really don't see any other male um, examples of bisexuality throughout the show, and that's not good. (laughs) (laughs) It's not great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I... Like I said earlier, like I do love that Samantha got that storyline. It's just like when you read between the lines or kind of see how her friends treated her and how and i I think that's what I really noticed is not only the friendships because that's pretty blatantly biphobic, but like how she regarded herself or how she saw herself in that relationship and and you know, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty erased. It was like, oh, she just went back to men and then everything was fine. And I think that that in the end for me was like, what was more harmful than the friends being, you know, kind of rude to her and talking about her. I think I like, (laughs) just to go back to my example about the Um, when I went for dinner and I hadn't told one of my closest friends about it. I think I sort of had that. I wasn't thinking of the moment in the show specifically, but I sort of had that like, well, now they're just going to go talking about me. You know what I mean? And that's and that just I mean, wasn't the truth. They're like, we're so happy that you're happy and we love you. And and that's we want you to do what makes you happy, which is, I think, the level of friendship that these women have with each other is where they should have been at with it, too.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Like, (laughs) no wonder in the new series, Samantha fucks off to London. Like, I hope she's living there with a woman or uh, someone of another gender. Like, I don't know. I hope she's living her best life away from that scrutiny. So, yeah, I think basically...
0: I don't know if I have a great conclusion, but I think it's pretty commonly understood, at least in this bubble that I live in, that I continue to talk about, that sexual identity goes way beyond straight and gay, as we see in the show. When we rewatch shows like this and watch newer shows, so I definitely noticed this. We've talked about girls twice now, I just want to mention. Maybe we should do a mini episode on our girls' thoughts. Um, But Elijah very openly and strongly identifies himself as bisexual. And this is also erased. This is totally erased. His friends call him gay. They're like, they just, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but they kind of just like dismiss it as his identity altogether. Um, And even later in the series, like it's sort of written out of his dialogue as well. Like it's sort of, he's just like, yeah, I'm gay. So <laughs> it was just a really weird moment to have this like very strong moment of like, no, I'm a bisexual man, um, to just kind of, again, be swept under the rug. Maybe not as blatantly as they did in Boy, Girl, Boy, Girl, um, but it was kind of a similar manner. But it's like, you kind of see how desperately people want to put themselves and others into categories or under labels or that kind of thing. And I think that when the lines get a little blurry, sometimes people get a little Charlotte about it. They just want people to be in a box. They just want people to be gay or straight, and that's it. And I think that now we're sort of moving past that idea, and we're sort of moving past the idea of sexual identities and gender identities staying on that binary, but we're working our way through
1: it. (laughs) Yeah, and I think there is, like, a progression of, like, media examples, too. Like, you brought up girls, and just think of Broad City and how one of the main characters was pretty clearly queer. And I can't remember if um, Alana ever actually, like, identified as as a sexual label, but it was just, it was it was part of the show. It was part of her character, and it wasn't, you know, made into a specific episode where everybody, like, scrutinized that and, and you know, even... Yeah, like both of the main characters kind of had queer experiences and um, yeah, it's just, it's so so important to have like representation of them because bisexuality, pansexuality, um, gender fluidity, like those are all like really uh, valid identities and it is important to have representations of that in the media to just like help normalize it. And we talked about living in a bubble, but that bubble should be the whole world. We, should... <laughs> we just need to accept everybody like as they are, and allow people to be like curious and explore, and just like be themselves. Um, but I will say, as much as both of these episodes had like problematic moments, we love our characters. We don't love narrow binary thinking. And I'm really appreciative that we have these like concrete episodes, which are very clear examples now (laughs) of horrible, biphobic thinking and like how ingrained it is. I don't know. It's helpful to have, to have that, to, to see what it is, to know what it is and yeah, Yeah. go forward.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, it, like I said, like, I love that Samantha did get that storyline. Don't love, the other one as much but the characters dealt with it how they dealt with it and going forward I mean things I'm optimistic I feel like we're ending on a bit of an optimistic note people can change (laughs) people can change even Carrie we'll see we'll see Thank you to everyone for listening. We're actually recording this on the day of our first episode launch. So we're super excited and feeding off that energy. Um, So we're so excited to give you more. Please rate, review and subscribe. And if you feel so inclined, send us a post-it. And
1: remember to follow us on Instagram at don't hate us pod. And yeah, we'll see y'all next time. Or
0: we'll hear y'all next time. They'll hear us. You'll hear us.